This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Envy, the ultimate Apple experience. Learn more about Envy at envyapple.com. Greetings and salutations, my friends. I hope everybody's doing well today as I start off every broadcast these days, hoping that, and that is my wish every day I wake up, that the world's doing good. We put a little love out there and a little kindness. My God, who knows what could happen if we all tried that a little bit more every day. I think that's a good good method to wake up to every day, Tom. What do you think? Not a bad yeah, way Todd, to uh, what, what a great philosophy. Let's get going. <laughs> I 100% agree with that. I'm thrilled to have my guest here today. Those that know him, He's an industry legend. He is a very big brain out there doing, done some amazing things to uplift food in this country and around the globe for a very, very long time. I'm excited he's here. He's in a new role. He's out there driving the boat right now for the CEA Alliance, which I'm a big fan of what they're about and what they're doing. We're going to talk about that in detail, talk a little bit more about where this space is at, how it's growing and evolving politically and getting more active and more members and all the cool stuff. So please, everybody, put your hands together collectively and welcome my friend, Mr. Tom Stenzel in the house today. Todd, thank you so much. Uh, really, it's great to be back with you. And really, for all of your listeners, your viewers, um, you know, one of the things, having my whole career in this produce industry, there's so many friends out there. You don't meet many people that you don't become friends with. So uh, it's great to be back with you and uh, talk a little bit about this still emerging area of controlled environment ag. Uh, it, it's an exciting kind of new space for me. I, you know, I followed it, you know, over the years when I was at United Fresh and, um, you know, as it was a fledgling little group. But uh, since I retired from there and I started my consulting business, uh, working with this controlled environment ag growers, uh, as well as their business partners, has really been eye-opening. Yeah, it's fascinating. It, it, it's incredible time to be in agriculture, in my opinion. This is this is a this is a, a part of an agriculture revolution that perhaps you know I, I don't necessarily know. I don't know how you I don't know if you compare it to you know inventing a tractor or getting rid of draft horses and that kind of magnitude. But you know when I look at the, the tenure of my career and you know when there was no real organic industry to building an organic industry to seeing the, this take off and grow and being a part of this right believing in and understanding what it is and seeing its value out there it's really an exciting time to have these conversations around this industry because it's the future of food whether you're going to accept it whether you want to believe it or not we're going to have to make changes and we should start looking at all these opportunities and see the folks in the CA space the big brains that are out there doing some big lifting it's just fascinating to me some of the things that they're doing yeah you know Todd I think I can only reference things I've seen in my lifetime. So whether it was changing from the horses and the tractor and stuff, but there are two moments I've seen in the last 40 years. Uh, Organics is one of them. Uh, As you said, early organics, uh, you remember well, like conventional agriculture was critical. We don't want that. We don't need that. And today organics are an essential part of almost every supplier's, uh, you know, portfolio. Uh, the other one that I point to and I talk with a lot of the uh, CEA growers about was the launch of bag salads. Yeah. So again, that's probably 25, 30 years ago, but moving from uh, whole head lettuce uh, and that was the industry. But when somebody started chopping and processing and putting it in a bag, uh, those early days remind me a lot of where we are in CEA today. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, I, bag salads, great call because I can remember when the first bag salad walked into our office up in beautiful Moss Landing, California, that uh, Drew and Myra came up yeah. with out of their, you know, out of their, basically in their garage using a washer and dryer and all the different things, how they started. I remember seeing that very first label that Earthbound came out with. Yeah. 
I mean, it was hand drawn. It was really, it was, I'd love to see that back. It was just beautiful. It was really cool. But you're right, that I, I forgot about that. And it's due its credit. There's no two ways yeah. about it. Let's get into this a little bit. I want to get people up to speed about what is the CA Alliance. Because I think it's really, really important that people get a grasp of what it is and, and really what it's all about. And now I'm going to dive deeper into some of the stuff you're working on as well. Okay, sure. Yeah, probably about three or four years ago, there were a small number of growers uh, who are bringing leafy greens to market from indoor facilities, both greenhouse and also indoor vertical farms, but very small number of folks. But there really hadn't been any focus on indoor food safety practices. So actually, the old association, United Fresh, helped them get started in terms of developing specific food safety standards for indoor growing. Uh, Last year, uh, that had pretty much matured in that area. And now, I'd say most of the food safety standards and audit systems uh, take into account indoor. So it's not as unique as it was at that time. But what this group asked me to come in and help them with is how can we expand our focus to become really more a real live trade association that that helps serve the category, grow the category, mm-hmm. um, you know, lobby for regulatory policy, uh, keep food safety at a core, no question, but but interact with retail, kind of the whole nine yards. So uh, it expanded beyond leafy greens to all crops. Uh, So this year we've added uh, several of the major tomato greenhouse guys, and they also went into the full supply chain. So we've started actually talking with business suppliers. So we have seed companies, we have energy companies, we have water management, um, transportation, uh, packaging. So really looking at it more as a supply chain sector for indoor agriculture. Uh, Things are are looking up. Uh, The category is maturing. It's still very early, but it is beginning that maturation process. Yeah. And one thing I love about the the start of this group, you know, because it was food safety centered to begin with, and food safety is something that needs to unite everybody. Right. And I think when they started from that, there was no, it didn't matter who you were, you were all on the same mission to keep people safe, keep your business safe, keep people healthy, do things right, learn from each other and grow. And I think that was a powerful first rung of that ladder, which is why I'm so excited to see this organization gaining membership, gaining the traction to the point, like you're talking about being a trade association, representing the morals, the values, the issues, the concerns that this industry has, because it's a, you know, people sit the, you talked about being, you know, still trying to find its lane and to grow a little bit and because and, and, it is, it's, it's growing, but There's a lot of money invested in this category. And I want to talk about that a little bit. You know, I mean, the number that floats out there, you can play around on the Google machine, but you're talking over $7 billion of money thrown into this. That's a lot of money. Can you comment on that a little bit? It's a tremendous investment, venture capital, uh, private equity. You know, the way I look at it, Todd, is if a company is taking in, you know, $100 million or more, and all they're doing is trying to get to a net operating uh, margin, in a facility, that's that's really not going to work long term. You're not going to be able to live on investment capital forever. But a lot of the investment you see now is an expansion. So I almost call it a gold rush of companies that are siting greenhouses or vertical farms all over the country. Um, it may have started as a local phenomenon in one area, but to succeed, companies are working on scale. So you can see the number of new farms that are being built today. And that's where a lot of the investment capital is going. Uh, They all have to end up in an operating uh, profitable state 
uh, to succeed, but there's still probably going to be some fallout. You know, early categories see this. There are winners and losers, and uh, those who invest well, uh, spend well, market well, uh, understand the the retail trade in the marketplace. I think they will be successful. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that, and I think that um, one of the things I talk about in this space and, and that I get excited about is it's not so much what somebody's doing today. It's what they're doing today that's going to matter in five years that I think we need to remember that that's a part, that innovation takes capital and innovation takes money. And so therefore, you know, this person here may look like this today, but what they're working on may completely shift and change what they're representing out there, um, you know, to the public in the future. So it leads me to the question I want to throw at you. is like, why does this, you know, industry category matter so much, you think, to the future of food? Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with that concept. It's a little hard to separate because if you say, I'm going to matter a lot five years from now or 10 years from now, but you've got to survive to get there. So the companies have got to have an ability to operate at some reasonable profit level to sustain until they get there. I'm going to go farther out, 50 years from now. This, mm-hmm. this sector is going to be a critical, critical role in worldwide agriculture. You know, five years from now, it'll be more important than it is today. Ten years, even more important. Um, so I'll give you an example of something that kind yeah. of struck me. So uh, one of our companies, Aero Farms, everybody kind of knows them. I was over at their research uh, facility. They opened in Abu Dhabi uh, earlier this year. Blew me away. The research that they're doing it's not immediately come into market in any area, but by changing the spectrum of lighting inside, they're changing the nutrition profile of the plants. They're changing the color, uh, the, the crispness of the plant, simply by changing spectrum in, in the lighting source. Um, they use certain lights for the first part in germination, and then they change the lights as it's getting closer to harvest. Things like that are going to be breakthrough technologies. Um, but again, I'll, I'll come back to the, the first comment. You got to sustain the business to get to some of those uh, developments. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think you know, and I think some of the folks that that were in this early, um, they sold themselves short to the public in a lot of ways, right? They they didn't they didn't really understand the retail game. Uh, I, I personally think they came in too hot and heavy with "we're going to replace the world" and "we're going to be this is." And I, you know, that's just not you know. You just don't start kicking cans, earn your way up, you know, earn your way, you know, do a good job. It'll, you'll, you'll be who you want to be if you work really hard and you do a good job every day and deliver and everything. It's, you can see there's hundreds of companies in this space that you could look back and say, that's kind of the trajectory. So I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. And I love the comment about 50 years. You're right. I, I can't even conceive of what it's going to look like in 50, but to, to, to see the technology that's going in to where they're literally, they're understanding the plant more than probably a lot of people are today. And what does that mean for them in that environment? And I love what you're saying because Plenty's doing the same thing. We yeah, they about are. Research and, um, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to be out to see them next week, actually, um, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, the seed breeding that's taking place, that nobody had ever really done breeding for indoor production, but mm-hmm. that's a major area that's coming. And, and you're going to see... Um, Plants develop specifically for an indoor environment instead of just moving the seed from an outdoor. Uh, that's going to be another game changer, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think, and 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 I think the seed companies are putting a lot of energy and effort into yep. it. They're, yep. they're 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 putting and they recognize it. But you know, 
I think they recognize it. And you said it earlier, and I want to touch on it because I think it's really, really important. It's going to leave me a couple of questions pop into my brain, but we're in a food desert in a lot of places around this globe. And to think that you can bring food without miles to a place that, you know, to your point, you're in Abu Dhabi. I know I've not been to Abu Dhabi, but I've been to Dubai. Yeah. And it's a tad warm. It's a tad dry. You know, you're, it's just, it is what it is, but to be able to bring, but you know, when I was there and, and, and I'm not being critical, but I was in looking at grocery stores and doing stuff. I'm literally seeing product on the shelves from wholesalers in Los Angeles. It's identified <laughs> with their names on it. It's like on an airplane flew over there, 15 hour flight from LAX, you know, and the whole line. And then you start thinking, wow, you can have fresh fruits and vegetables close. No, you know, you're reducing your footprint, all the, all the things that are important that we talk about making a difference in the world. That's why I think it's so incredibly valuable that we look at what this industry is and that we recognize, again, what I said, that innovation costs money and we need to be a part of it. I want to kind of lean into that. Hey, I want Todd, to, can I, go can I comment on that? Because, yeah, please. you know, the, the experience over there to me in Dubai and in Abu Dhabi was, it's really eye-opening. They import 95% of their food. They yeah. are definitely in a food desert, literally. Um, very difficult to grow much of anything there. Now that's a real different experience than we have in the United States or Europe, uh, but it's a, it really is a model of where this technology works. And what you described in the supermarkets, I was there over Valentine's Day. So you had huge strawberry displays. My best friends at Driscoll's, you know, kudos to Driscoll's. They had product in the stores in the United Arab Emirates from Mexico, from Australia, and from Morocco. So I looked at all the different labels. I'm waiting for them to build an indoor farm you know, in, in Dubai and serve that same community with, with product from there. But it's a change in our, our global service networks. Yeah, and, and again, well, and it's a big investment. It's a big change. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what the partnership between Driscoll and, and Plenty is gonna do yeah, coming up yeah. in their place in Virginia. That's gonna be a lot of strawberries and and, I'm pretty sure Driscoll's not going to put out a bad strawberry. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that, right? Just based on track record. So you're right. It's going to be exciting. Is there any data out there though today about, you know, about how the American consumer or the global consumer feels about being a part of changing, you know, how we farm and how we're going to produce food, you know, for this planet? We're not seeing a lot of recognition of the term CEA. Um, Love that. It, not a lot of recognition. <laughs> That's powerful. You know, it, it's one of the things that um, I think if we'd started earlier, we might have named it something other than CEA. But but nonetheless, it, it's so far down that path. When we're talking with retailers, you know, you, we're talking about the controlled environment and all that goes into it. What we see from consumers is a strong move towards sustainability, uh, caring about how food is grown, caring about um, where it's grown, caring about who grows it and what are the values uh, that that company has and bringing it to market. Uh, I don't think that this category is going to win simply because it's indoor. Uh, this category has got to compete with the rest of the world. So if you're in salads, you've got to live up to the highest standards that today's salad companies already do. Uh, if you're going to move berries indoors, you've got to live up to those brand names that are providing great berries today. Uh, maybe someday genetics and breeding and uh, other technology breakthroughs are going to help you go higher. We'll see. But at the moment, you have to live up to that. Sustainability matters, but you watch shoppers when they walk down through the produce aisle. Not many of them are picking up, reading everything on the package, and then deciding what to buy. No, 
They're not. And, and I think that, and I think in a lot of ways that's a disservice too, because I think we need to do a better job in this country of helping Americans get a better understanding of, and the value of their food more and what it takes. You know, I, I just spoke recently about what community means to agriculture, right? And we don't think about that, right? But it's the barber shop and, it, and it's the tire shop and it's the grocery store that are around those agricultural centers that also are part of the agriculture community. And I think that it's something that, that I hope that we can continue. And I think CA just leads that charge of putting food in the forefront and getting people to better understand the nuances involved in our food supply, because we've, we've relied too much on the dry. You know, we, you know, the, the car, the invention of the car, and, you know, has really done a lot for us in a lot of ways, but it's also made fast food a big industry, sure. right? Eating in our cars. It's a big thing. That's why it's so successful here in the United States, I think in a lot of ways. And so I'm glad to see that the perspective about driving value into food is something that the Alliance is about and getting people to recognize that and getting retailers to recognize that. And to your point, a consumer is never going to recognize or value anything if they're not given some help to find its value. You just can't walk in and expect, you can't have 15,000 SKUs in the grocery store and go, boy, I hope they find me, right? That's a tough, that's a tough nut to crack. So when you think about that a little bit, I mean, you think about valuing food and from your perspective, because you've got such a great one, Talk to me a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, or whatever pops into your brain about that, about how America mm-hmm. needs to look at valuing farms and food a little bit with a little more care and detail. Yeah. You know, I think early COVID, uh, there was much more appreciation for what it took to keep food on the table, to keep food coming from farms, through a supply chain, transportation, uh, all the way to the frontline uh, workers in retail stores. We, we continue to feed America. It, it was nothing short of a miracle. And I think yep. there was a greater recognition of that food supply chain. You know, farther away we get, you, you drift in consciousness a little bit. But I do think that this sustainability uh, thing, climate change, those are going to be with us for the future. Yep. Uh, retailers, I think, are going to play a little bit of that role in the mediary between the farmer and the consumer uh, in trying to d- bring to market products that are both sustainable and nutritious and fresh and high quality. Uh, as, as I talk with retailers today about controlled environment, you know, that's part of the discussion. It's if all things are equal, yeah, let's, go, let's do that. But if you're not as fresh or you're not as high quality, you're not going to get in the supermarket. No, well, I mean, I, I, I learned this early on in my career. People will long forget the prices on it. They'll always remember your quality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, <laughs> that's right. so true. That's right. And, you know, that's... one of the things that's helped is uh, the shorter supply chains. You know, you've got the grower and the packer processor all in the same facility. So, yeah, it can go from harvest to store in less than 24 hours, you know, yeah. depending on how far the drive is. But um those shorter supply chains add shelf life. They add freshness to the consumer. Uh, some of the companies are starting to see that now in their own research that they believe that consumers are recognizing, even in their own refrigerator, you know, a, a longer lasting quality. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I would agree. I, I mean, as a consumer myself, I recognize that. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. And I think, and I love your point that when you think about something, let's, let's take tomatoes, take a berry, either one of those, right? There are a lot of times often picked incredibly too early to get through the supply chain, yeah. which by depending on where you live can affect a lot of things, especially if you're farther away from the source, because you could be riding on a cold truck, which is never a good way to go with tomatoes, right? But, you know, 
in the house, it's a big flavor difference. So if you think about where CA is, is in people's backyards per se, um, to be able to keep a tomato on the vine yeah. an extra two or three days or a tomato or, or excuse me, a, a strawberry hanging for an extra couple of days is going to be an amazing experience yeah. for consumers. I think that's really powerful. That's part of that regionalization. I think CA is going to bring to the table globally. Yeah, it's really it's interesting, Todd. And I didn't realize, realize this from my previous uh, work, but there's such a range of CEA. I think you're mm-hmm. going to see distributed agriculture in this space. Uh, it's really not too expensive to set up a small vertical farm almost anywhere now. Uh, so there are companies part of the CA Alliance who are basically um, setting up small display, uh, manageable growing operations in um, uh, colleges, in college mm-hmm. you know, dining areas, uh, in hospitals. So when you go to the hospital, there's a little farm in the hospital. Uh, then you move up a level maybe and people are selling what's basically the trailer uh, mm-hmm. model. So you can set down a trailer in the middle of a retail parking lot and grow a variety of different products that way. And then you're going to go up to the scale of, of the Plenties and Bowery and um, you know, the other greenhouse, Gotham and mm-hmm. uh, all Greens. Those are going to be national players, but you're going to see that localization as well. Yeah, 100%. It's like I said, it's going to be an exciting ride. And I, you know, I, I, I wish that we would look at it harder. I, I certainly wish the organic industry would be a little more friendly to what's going on with this. I'm certainly one that, that gets a lot of crap for my position on it. But I look at it like we got to feed the world. If we can feed the world organic produce, isn't that kind of the goal that it, it, for anybody that's in the industry? Is that not the end game that we all wanted? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was when I read the book 40 years ago. Maybe, maybe the book changed. I haven't got the second version. I'm not quite sure. One of the things that you guys are doing and one of the things that a trade association in a lot of ways is about is about information and informing. And we talk on this broadcast all the time with our friends at the USDA about participation and why government matters and why you need to be a part of things like the farm bill, which is a massive thing a lot of people don't understand. If you think a phone book is big, get a farm, get a copy of the farm bill. Um, I think it, I, I'm not mistaken. I'm guessing, but you could probably correct me wrong. I think it's like 8,000 pages. Yeah, it, it's, it's up there. Let's put it that it's, way. It's, it's a lot. So talk to me a little bit about... And because you come from this background so brilliantly in the way that you've you've worked, you know, the halls of D.C. in your career. But talk a little bit about the different levels of the government and what you're doing and who you're talking to a little bit and and, and why that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So we're still at an early stage, uh, I would say, as CEA within U.S. agricultural policy. Um, The last farm bill was 2018. And for the first time, they created at USDA an Office of Urban Agriculture and Innovative Production, right? which is kind of where we are pigeonholed at the moment. Uh, But it was good. It's a start. So five years later, our goal is to expand that office, of course, but also kind of start a rethinking of where does indoor agriculture fit within U.S. big ag policy? Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to revolutionize anything. We're certainly not trying to you know, take money away from any other agriculture areas. We are part of the big agricultural picture, but we should be a part. It should be a recognized focus in the conservation programs, in the loan programs, in the R&D research programs, um, you know, all of those areas. So in our meetings with, with both USDA, but also uh, people in Capitol Hill, it's saying, take a new look at this, look at every different type of ag policy in the States, and then ask yourself, 
how does indoor agriculture fit within those overall policies? Yeah, 100%. I love that. So talk to me a little about the farm bill. I mean, because it's an active thing and, you know, you've got some really, it's exciting. It is. And and we'll see some differences. Definitely. There'll be increased funding in in research and development. Uh, There'll be this these conservation programs. This is one of the funny things that uh, USDA helps farmers if, say, they're going to reduce their water use, they're going to move from open spray to drip irrigation, you can get some uh, resources from the feds for that. Now, if you're growing indoors, you've already kind of made that step as the the get-go, but there's no benefit, there's no funding to help you build an indoor farm, even though you're going to use less water. Uh, per production. So those kinds of things, I think we're going to get in. Uh, we're very much a part of the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance that uh, IFPA still manages. Right. Uh, we love the nutrition programs. We love the uh, state block grants that go to uh, different state agriculture departments. A lot of the support for CEA has come at the state level. Um, and that's an interesting thing. It's been more economic development, I think, than, mm. than necessarily USDA type focused. Uh, just next week, I'm uh, going to a signing ceremony with the governor of Virginia. They're signing legislation that supports the growth of CEA farms in the state of Virginia. Um, cool. You know, but that's the kind of thing that we want to bring also from the state level up to the feds. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that congratulations. That's going to be it. That's a that'll be kind of fun to go do. I mean, it's but it's so I think they're recognizing a, the, the jobs that it's creating, but I also think that that the, the COVID has taught us uh, to, to appreciate the word food insecurity a little bit yeah, and what that actually important. means. Yeah. You know, the well, other thing, Todd, that you mentioned a couple minutes ago was the yeah. community, community of agriculture. You know, when I started a long, long time ago, I don't know, we had a hundred different congressional districts that might've had substantial agriculture. What's that down to 25 now? Because, yeah. you know, people are growing townhouses instead of food. But one of the things that CEA can do is bring agriculture back to areas that really have not been uh, agriculture. And that does support a community. You know, we were called urban there for a while, but there's just as many facilities going into rural areas to help support their economies as well. Yeah. And look, one of the big things that I'm a big advocate of is the work that's being done at schools to try to help kids better understand food. Yep. And, you know, you, you and shout out to one of my heroes, uh, Stephen Ritz at the Green Brooks Machine, what he's done educating children about food and putting it in the classroom and getting kids involved. Yep. And, and because, you know, my opinion is, is that the, the more we invest in our, our informing our children about the benefits of food and what it's going to be and the different methodologies of how to grow and where to grow and why yep. we grow, the faster we're going to make changes to this planet overall, not only to our health, the climate and everything else, because climate, you know, that's a whole separate subject, but mother nature is going to do what she's going to do, but we're yeah. also pushing the ball down the field for in a little faster fashion than we probably need to be. So I think it's going to be really important that we have this cumulative effect of what CEA can bring to folks. Yeah. I think it's powerful. I really do. Yeah, it's super exciting. But it's going to be fun to watch your trajectory go through this in the farm bill and getting folks, you know, in D.C. a little bit more involved. I know in my conversations with the USDA, they're all ears when it comes to this. They want to learn. Yeah, we found that, too. Uh, it's refreshing, actually. Um, it's a little bit, you know, I'll go back 20 years. 
especially crops or fruit and vegetables really had never been part of a farm bill anyway. Mm-hmm. Farm bills started based on, you know, soybeans, corn, cotton, those those row crops that dominate in the middle of the country. Right. Um, and that's still where all the, the big money goes. It's but, like eight um, states get most. We of were trying to get fruits and vegetables in and USDA was receptive to that. And I kind of feel it's the same way now with uh, indoor. Yeah, I think so too. I, again, it's just going to take a time. It's going to take you know leadership like what you're doing and leadership of the alliance um, to help people better understand what they don't and understand the value that this creates. And again, don't get so caught up in the today. Let's get excited about what this is going to mean for the future. And again, that 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 innovation doesn't come cheap, and it's going to take time for us to get there. But it's exciting, and I'm glad that you're a part of it. You know, one thing, Todd, that we're also pushing is uh, mm-hmm. what's called an incentive tax credit yes. for investment in high-tech agriculture. And that's not just CEA or indoor. Uh, it's not us trying to get something apart from our brethren, you know, in Salinas or, or wherever. Uh, the idea, though, is all of our producers need to be investing in, in high-tech agriculture, uh, labor-saving, um, you know, uh, automatic harvesting, things like that. But it, we really do believe that that is a process that government should support. So uh, that's another concept that we're pushing. Yeah, I think it's worthwhile. And you know, look, when you, in order in order to help innovation, we've got to help the people that want to spend the money to innovate, right? right? And I think it's a that's good right. thing. It's a, and 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 food is not really a hard thing to lean into. It's like, well, that's a good idea to invest in it, food. Yeah. I think it's smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So. Tell me what's going on. I mean, let's kind of wrap up our time a little bit, hanging out. But what's, you know, what's, the, when you get thinking about the future of ag, right? You threw out 50 years. So, so you threw me off my, my game a little bit because I haven't thought that far <laughs> ahead. But when you think about the future of ag, what, yeah. you know, two part question, what excites you? Okay. And then maybe on the backside, is there anything that concerns you? Yeah. So um, exciting. Based on where I am today, the work I'm doing, you know, I want to see indoor move to new crops. Um, I think that's the next generation. Yeah. You know, salads are great. Leafy greens are great. Um, what is into 1% maybe, and maybe it grows to 10%. It's not going to take over uh, field agriculture, despite what some of my, my best members say. Yeah. Uh, but I want to see us move into berries. I, I think berries are the next category that you're going to see substantial movement uh, indoors. Um, tomatoes are already dominant. What is, what is it? 85% of all tomatoes at retail in the U S are from greenhouse greenhouse. Yeah. You know, so that's happened, but how do you keep moving other products, uh, that way? So that, that's kind of what I'm excited about. Um, long-term, some of those technological breakthroughs, Mm -hmm. um, what concerns me? Good question. You know, I don't want to see agriculture fight against ourselves. So, yeah. you know, the old organic versus conventional was was not healthy. You know, if we let this become indoor versus outdoor, that's not healthy. We're all part of feeding the planet, as you said. And, and that's our moral compass is how can we grow food that that serves a, a hungry world and uh, in a, in a world that needs better nutrition from our products. From, right. from the fruits and vegetables. So yeah. to me, you know, that would be a concern. I want to make sure that we stay together as, as overall agriculture. Yeah, I look as somebody who lived the organic versus conventional world when, you know, I, and it's so funny, you maybe you popped in my head. I can remember, I'm not going to drop any names, but I can remember a real big retail, a real big VP of retail who's still floating around out in the world today. 
point blank, straight in the eyes going, this organic thing is a piece of crap. It's never going to work. I'm never going to carry it. It's never going to go anywhere. And I'm like, okay. And I think during that, and I, I want to come alongside what you said, because one of the things that I recognized very early on when we were trying to find lanes to swim in is that really the important thing is, is to get consumers to eat an apple. Let's start there. Right. And then my job, I really felt like I was like, go convince you to eat the organic one. Right. But nonetheless, getting an apple, you know, getting somebody to eat an apple benefits everybody across the entire spectrum of the category. And I think it's important to remember that, that we need to drive value back in the food and that we need to uplift farmers and growers around this country and make what they do more important to this country and less about cheap, 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 because that's got such a terrible hidden cost. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Anything exciting? What's next for the CA Alliance the rest of the year? What are, I mean, you know, we're going to continue to grow. Um, we're hosting events um, in New York City at the Indoor Ag Tech Conference. Uh, there's a major uh, conference over in uh, Amsterdam in June. That's the uh, Green Tech. So mm-hmm. we're going to be hosting some meetings over there, speaking on a number of panels. Uh, one of the more exciting ones coming up um, end of June uh, in Toledo. It's sponsored by USDA the Department of Energy, and NASA. So talking about growing food in space, energy management, USDA. So uh, I'm going to be speaking at that session. There's so much happening uh, in the research community right now. It, It is pretty exciting. It is NASA's, you know, for people, I, you know, I had, I had Ralph Frisch from NASA on my show a while back talking about growing food in space. Fascinating yeah. conversation. They're the original greenhouse guys. They're the original yeah. vertical farming guys. You don't realize they did an old mercury lab and they have all this old cool technology, but it's a very interesting conversation yeah. about how to grow food in space and what it means because you can't fly to Mars and supply yourself. Right. It just, it's not going to work. I mean, you just, it's just too much. It just, you know, the infrastructure doesn't support it. So there's a lot going on. It's a fascinating conversation. I've got some stuff. I've got in stuff in the inbox for the folks in Toledo about that conference. It looks oh, good. Good. Actually, actually looks pretty cool. I'll have to go back and watch that episode as well. So Ralph's an amazing guy. I encourage anybody to, to get in. And if you want to learn about you know food and space, it's a fascinating topic. It's a great conversation. This is exciting time. I'm thrilled for you guys. I really am. I'm excited for the Alliance. I'm excited to see the growth, the new members that are coming in. Um, the conversations that people are having. And I just, you know, again, I love the fact this organization started around food safety that what unifies everybody. I think that's just such a strong backbone to this, to this organization. It's only going to propel you guys forward as you tackle what's in front to keep this industry growing. So kudos to you and everybody for, you know, getting this thing to where it is today. Great. Thanks, Todd. It's, it's been a real pleasure to be with you and, um, you know, I'd love to stay in touch. You got it, my brother. You know, you have to open invitation. You know, I'll answer your phone call every time. I love it. I appreciate seeing you in my inbox. Everybody, thanks for being here. We appreciate you very, very much. Thanks for listening and watching and writing and commenting and all the good things you do. Like I say all the time, remember, go inspire somebody. It's incredibly important. It's a great way to make somebody's day better. Just a simple hello can alter the day for somebody and you have that power in you and it's not hard to do. It costs you nothing, man. A little love and kindness goes a long way. Thanks for being here. We'll see you all soon. Take care. Thank you.